0: Hi, I'm Elizabeth Fickett, and I invite you to study the Bible with me. My ladies' Bible study class at my church is studying 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, and we're using the workbook that I wrote entitled, Letters to the Thessalonians, Encouragement for Living in the End Times. It's available on Amazon. Join us as we read someone else's mail. I'm sure you'll find a few things that you think were written just to you. In this Bible study, in these letters to the Thessalonians, you are going to find encouragement in your walk with the Lord. You're going to find information about His truth and there will be challenges to grow in your faith. There will be challenges to grow in hope. There will be challenges to grow in love, agape love. There will be encouragement, exhortation to grow in holiness and to grow in prayer. But the first challenge that you may face might just be saying the name of the study. Letters to the Thessalonians. Thessalonians, it's five syllables and it's a mouthful and I stumble over it often. I want to say it slowly, you start thinking it, start moving your mouth along with me. Thessalonians, we're gonna say it together. Thessalonians, Thessalonians. faster. Thessalonians. Thessalonians, Thessalonians. Great, I want you to be able to talk about this book and tell people what you are studying. So you'll be more comfortable if you have been saying it out loud a few times before you try to tell someone else because they may not have a clue what word you're even saying if they're not familiar with the Bible. But are these letters? familiar territory to you, to some of you. Some people have told me that they love Thessalonians. And I just refer to both letters. It's easier to say Thessalonians. First and Thessalonians. First, then second Thessalonians. See, I stumbled just then. I think that each of you will find something about first and second Thessalonians that you love. It's very interesting to see what lasts what remains, what remains as very important over time, what things are sentimental and so valuable and so precious that they're saved for years and years and years. Books and letters fall into that category for me and there are other things as well, but books and letters communicate relationship. They communicate thought. They tell you something about the person writing. They tell you something about the recipient. In 2013, in that summer, I received for my birthday a little package wrapped in silver paper. And I could tell by it that it was a little book, but I didn't know what little book it was. But when I opened it, I found this little black New Testament, it says red letter Testament on the front and I learned from my mother, because she was the one who gave it to me, that my great-grandmother, Nancy, had given it to her daughter, my grandmother, Bessie. And that is written in my great-grandmother's hand on the inside. This says, Bessie Bryan from mother. So the mother is Nancy, um, and that's my great-grandmother. So my mother told me she remembered Seeing this book as she was growing up. Her mother had it and used it. And I don't know if my mother just turned the pages and looked at the pictures, but she said this picture of young Jesus looked to her like her mother. Her mother looked like Jesus to her. (laughs) Isn't that great? This is really, I mean, I can imagine, I can see my grandmother in this picture as a, a young girl. So, um, one of the other things that happened when I was looking at this Bible was I saw that it was printed in 1913. So when I received it in 2013, I received a 100-year-old Bible. It's 109 years old now, and it, it is precious to me not because it's old, but because it captures the heritage of faith that was passed down from my great-grandmother Nancy to my grandmother Bessie to my mother, Susan, and the heritage continues. Like I said, my daughter's here today. (laughs) And she has even studied Thessalonians and led a Bible study on Thessalonians when she was in college. So uh, this is a place that is familiar to her. These letters are familiar to her. Something else that I have that's old are some letters that I received from people that I met when I was on an international youth trip and the summer after my high school year so back in 1983 you can do the math i spent one week on a farm in utzenstorf switzerland that was part one of well no that wasn't part one that was a part of the six week trip of being in europe they just threw these 18 year olds out in uh, 20 18 year olds out all over europe without chaperones it was I can't believe we did that. <laughs> uh, I mean, London, we arrived in London jet lagged and that was not pretty. And it was, that was a mess. I hardly saw anything about London. I know I was there, but anyway, finally three weeks later, I ended up on a farm in Utzenstor, Switzerland. And then after that, week at a farm. I was in Switzerland for two weeks at the camp near Lausanne. So I have letters from the people that I met during these two weeks and uh, three weeks. They're precious to me because this is evidence. This correspondence shows the connection, the relationship that I had, and that I shared my faith with these people from all over the world. The girl that I shared a week with on the farm was Trissy Thibodeau from Thessaloniki. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so we introduced ourselves and she said, I'm from Thessaloniki, I bet you don't know where that is. I'm like, I know where that is. It's, it's in Greece and it's in the Bible. I know about Thessalonica. it's in the Bible. She's like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't think she knew what the Bible said about her hometown. So that I, and she was older than I was and kind of lawyerish, and had that bent and uh, she was just fascinated because uh, she was a smart person. So I knew something which she didn't expect me to know. Um, 39 years later, I know that I sent letters to Thessaloniki. That's the modern name of Thessalonica. That's how it's described in the Bible. I received letters from Thessaloniki. I mean, that's what I'm holding in my hand. These are her letters to me. I just still can't believe it. (laughs) I also have letters from Israel from Duty and Yael. Duty is the nickname for David. And that's what we called him. And I have letters from Norway, from Lars. And Lars heard a lot about my faith and he did not believe in God. And he even has something like, here's why I doubt that there's a God. A God. And he lists some things. But he says, but if you're praying for me, okay, I'll take it. That's good. <laughs> that's good. So, Also this summer, one of our church members moved to Greece to be on mission for the Lord. And when I kind of put all the pieces together and realized she was over there, I said, would you please send me a postcard? Send me something in the mail from Greece. So this summer I received this postcard from Athens. That's where she is, hello from Greece. And when it finally came after I waited and waited for the mail, it's like, oh, it's like, wow. That's what the Thessalonians must have felt when they received this communication from Paul. So it was so fun right now as I'm getting ready to teach these letters to have a real experience of getting this letter from a believer in Greece. I hope this card finds you well. I'm writing to you from a very hot but beautiful suburb of Athens called Marusi. This is my first time living abroad and it's been a true adventure. I hope this card makes it in time for your study. I'm sending it on July 12th, 2021, praying for you and all the women. So, that is from Anna, and she wrote something sweet at the end in Greek, but I don't know what it says. (laughs) I haven't looked that up. It's Greek to me. Thank you. That's That's what they were saying out there. Well, we are now going to study Paul's letters to the Thessalonians, and they are almost 2,000 years old. They're special not because they bring back memories of a trip to a faraway place, but because they're rich with eternal truth from the Lord. They show the Lord's love for us. They show how special we are to Him. They give us hope for the future and they show us how to live right now while we are waiting for Jesus. So they're very forward looking But they're not forgetting where we are right now and we won't either. The Lord has communicated in many ways since the time of creation. He has spoken to a man's (laughs) heart. He has spoken through angels. He's spoken through thunder and smoke and fire. He's spoken through many prophets. He's even spoken through a handwriting on a wall so he can get the message across whatever he wants to say. And he came and he spoke. God spoke through his son Jesus face to face with us, with people on earth. And then one day the Lord spoke directly to Paul, who had not seen Jesus face to face when he was alive. But in Acts 26, 14 through 18, we have Paul's conversion account. The light shined bright on him. And Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. And Saul said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. So this, I mean, this is right out of Jesus' mouth. This is Jesus talking to Paul. But arise, stand on your feet. For this purpose I have appeared to you, to appoint you a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you, delivering you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles, to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes." Okay, this is Paul's commission. He is being sent to the Jews and the Gentiles to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, and from the dominion of Satan to God, in order that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. That's a now and later message. And that's the message that Jesus gave Paul. And then Paul gave it to everyone that he met for the rest of his life. Because of this commission from Jesus to Paul, Paul became a traveler. He was led by the Holy Spirit to go to places where people had not heard the gospel of Jesus. Paul usually stayed in one place until he was basically run out of town. By the way, Paul lived under a lot of chaos and suffering and as this day approached, I have been living in a lot of chaos as my house was being remodeled. (laughs) (laughs) I felt a lot of scrambling going on as this day approached. You probably have got some stuff in your life that feels chaotic. You may feel like you have scrambled to get here this morning. Paul was doing it all the time. So you are in good company and he has a message for us. So what he says comes from a hard, difficult, challenging life. Paul didn't stop preaching and teaching the people that he met, even though life was hard. He continued his ministry to the people he had been with and he continued that ministry through letters. When he was run out of town and he missed his people, he would write them letters. So remembering the Lord's words directly spoken to Paul helps us understand why Paul's letters are God's truth. Paul was appointed by the Lord Jesus Christ to tell of that which he had seen and experienced and heard from Jesus. We have copies of the written message that Paul gave to the people. He spoke all the time. He spoke so long that someone fell out of the window in the middle of the night (laughs) because he fell asleep listening to Paul, Uh, but it was really late at night and it was hot, so that's why. I'm sure he was a dynamic speaker and you really wanted to pay attention. This is just a teenager and he fell asleep. Uh, We have copies of Paul's written messages. They've been saved. Now, how did these messages come about? When Paul wrote letters, to the churches and to Thessalonica, he used ancient paper. This was made from a papyrus plant. So just for fun, I'll start passing around this piece of papyrus. You can get your hands on that and feel it. I'll toss this to Oh, good catch. Uh, papyrus leaves were expensive. Papyrus is a plant. It has stalks called reeds. The reeds are peeled and laid flat and then those are woven together and you can even see the weave in this paper. It was dried. Our word paper comes from the word papyrus. You maybe already knew that. Another thing that was used to write letters were scribes or secretaries. They were paid So first of all, you have the papyrus paper, which is expensive. Then you need to pay someone to write carefully, legibly, and use every little bit of paper because it's so expensive, you wanna use it well. And then the sender of the letter, who would have been dictating this letter to the scribe, to the secretary, would check the contents of the letter. Did that scribe write what I wanted him to write? The sender of the letter was responsible for the contents. Some scholars believe that Paul's practice was to use a secretary and to dictate his letters. We're going to see clear evidence in the letters to the Thessalonians that Paul did that. He did use a scribe to write the body of the letter and then he authenticated it by putting his signature at the very end. We're also gonna see that it was extremely important for that signature to show up. It was extremely important for the Thessalonians to know that this really was directly from Paul, from Paul. They had received forged letters with false teaching and Paul was writing to say, here's the truth, put that away. Paul's letters to the Thessalonians are wonderful. They are lovely. They are fascinating. They are probably the first letters that Paul wrote to any churches. They are considered the earliest letters. Perhaps the letters to the Galatians are older than the letters to the Thessalonians. Maybe they were written about the same time. Based on archeological evidence, the letters to the Thessalonians were written in 50 to 51 AD. And that is really early. The letters to the Thessalonians are very personal. They're full of love for the Thessalonian believers. You can tell Paul missed them. He wanted to see them. He wanted to get to them. He wanted to know how they were doing. He wanted to make sure they remembered the truth. These two letters have very powerful and concise statements on almost every aspect of our Christian beliefs and how we should live. They blend doctrine and instruction for Christian living. They have prophecy. They're encouraging, I've mentioned that. They have correction in them. They have personal updates of Paul's travels. They have his concerns. They include prayers. Paul is always telling us how he's praying for his family, the brothers and sisters in Christ. These letters also include strong exhortations Listen up. He has things to say. He closed his first letter, 1 Thessalonians, by saying, I charge you by the Lord that this letter be read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. The church would receive a letter and someone in the church would read this to the group. Not everyone was literate. But you ladies are literate and I have a version of a letter to the Thessalonians. I've tried to write to give you a hands-on, I'm gonna pass this around. A scribe would have written in all capital Greek letters, so I've written in all capital English letters. I've tried to use up as much space as I could. I was very careful when I was writing this. <gasps> you gotta get it right, that's intense. And then at the end, you'll see a uh, handwriting, and this is Paul's signature, my version of Paul's signature. So it just stands out different. Uh, This greeting is in my own hand, Paul. This is a sign in every letter. This is how I write. Also, when we get to your workbook, you will see this same uh, handwriting, just as a reminder that Paul authenticated the letter to the Thessalonians. So I'm going to pass this around and I would like for you to take turns reading uh, the there are about 20 verses in here and they're more than 20 ladies so if you don't want to read you can pass it to the person next to you and there are these double lines so you're going to hear some of the precious verses truths that Paul shared to the letters to the Thessalonians to his friends in Thessalonica these ancient words have been preserved for more than two, well, I don't know, I'm not doing the math very well, around 2,000 years, right? The Lord has watched over them and he has made a way for these personal, encouraging, challenging, comforting letters to arrive at your home. These letters have been sent to you and they're in your Bibles. I hope that you will allow them to touch your heart and change your life, and this will make you ready to be presented to Jesus, blameless in holiness. What a beautiful thing. That is our hope. That is the work that God is doing. Faithful is He who called you, and He will do it. He will do it. He is making you blameless in holiness. Cooperate with Him. That is what we have to do. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Cooperate. <laughs> so, um, may our study of these letters together be a joy and a delight, and may we be a crown of rejoicing for each other as we impact each other's lives. We're going to grow together and encourage each other. We need each other. Um, So you've heard a lot of names today. You've seen a lot of ladies and you know this room is full. I want you to meet more ladies now and bond with the ladies that are in your group because if you belong to Jesus, then you belong to each other. And if you're in the family of God, you're going to spend eternity together. So start enjoying each other now, okay? Um, Paul loved the Thessalonians. He was very tender with them. He missed them when he was away and we've already heard some of his love letter to them. He said in 1 Thessalonians 2.8, we cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become dear to us. I want you to become dear to each other and to share your lives with each other. So we're going to break. I'm going to give you some assignments about breaking. Uh, That's all for today. I am Elizabeth Ficken. Thanks for studying the Bible with me.